How scary do the Bruins look in their exhibition win over Cal State Dominguez Hills? Very or not very? You are locked on UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the Locked On UCLA Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson, the Oxheimer. Thanks for making the show your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, subscribe here for an every day or you like the content we be spitting out. Hey, review, whatever it is. You've probably been hearing us talk about what does this UCLA basketball team look like? Well, we finally got their first, the first chance to see what they look like on the court despite missing a bunch of players. But we'll talk about them anyway. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks because today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use the code locked on college for first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. It was somewhat easy pickings for the Bruins against the Toros of Cal State Dominguez Hills, a spooky matchup against the D2 squad, considering UCLA was without four players. I gave four keys to look out for three, excuse me, three, three. Three keys in this game to look out for against the Toros. One was who would play. Who was going to sit out and who would play. And there were four players who did not play for key number one. We did not see a Diamara. We did not see Bereke Tungel, a guy who was equally, apparently a little bit banged up, I believe what McCronin said, but more importantly at this moment, both Mara and Bereke are not fully cleared to play in a game. They can practice, but they've been held out and they're not ready to play so Cronin did not have them available to play. Even though Adai and Adembona came together in a Mario and Luigi costume, amazing content, still you had those two big men, two of the more prized parts of the international freshman recruiting class that they still haven't seen the court in an actual game-like scenario, whether it's in Spain or for those two in an exhibition game against the Toros. We did not see them. And I wonder how long this saga will last Mick Cronin, when he talked about this even prior to the exhibition game when asked about it, wasn't fully confident when that would happen. He wanted them to be eligible, but those things take time. And as we've seen, it might take a little bit longer. Dan Bona missed game one the, a year ago, and that was a little bit similar, a little bit not, because he wasn't fully making the international jump. He was coming from, I believe, pro- prolific prep and then made the jump to UC a little bit different there. But even then, Bonus still didn't play. The idea that he's fully cleared and ready to go kept him out maybe a little cautious, wanted to make sure, hey, we're not going to put him out against the D2 team. We know what he's like. We know how good he is. And what he did not have, what the Bruins did not have in the NCAA tournament was in a Dembona to try and lock down Drew Timmy in the tournament in the Sweet 16 against the Gonzaga. So they know game one, it's okay if they don't have, them when, have him when they play St. Francis. They should be able to handle them. And those first three home games, keeping him healthy, make sure he's fully healthy. Again, he had that whole shoulder injury by crashing into the stanchion or crashing into the press table, making a full diving effort. We know what Bona brings. We just want him to be fully healthy, although Cronin and the Bruins are taking the slow, extremely cautious approach to bringing him back early in the season. And then Dylan Andrews was out. He did not play in this game. They were being cautious with him as well as he's supposed to be the get the bulk of the minutes as the starting point guard. And there's still a big battle for who's the backup point guard, whether it's Jan Vide 
maybe it's Sebastian Mack, who's supposed to be more of a two-guard scorer, and we saw more in him as a point guard in this game, more in that in a moment. So you're without Andrews, you're without Berke, without Bowen, Andrews, Berke, Bowen, and Mar. Four key guys, all of which could start or be playing big minutes we expect this year, and they didn't touch the floor, were dressed. That was one thing I wanted to see, and we didn't get to see it. Two, the pace. The Bruins ended up scoring 97 points. Overall in this game, UCLA found ways to score and do different things, six points and fast break points. They out, they ended up winning this game by 41 points. Dominant. But until we get to see what the big men look like, which I wanted to see how they could get up and down the floor, Bona, Mara, Berke, I wanted to see how they could translate to the college game, even if it was only an exhibition. Not something we got to see fully when it came to transition play, moving up and down the court, whether it's the Andrews-led offense, Mara sprinting back and forth, Berke, we know Bona's super quick and extremely athletic, and he hustles back and forth, not that the other two or three don't, we want to see how quick this team can move from offense to defense and shift the intensity from one side of the floor to the other. We didn't get to see that. So basically two of the three things I wanted to see, we didn't get a full look at, even though the Bruins, despite a very slow start scoring the basketball and losing, losing early, 3 nothing. they found a way with one change. They led this game for almost the entire 40 minutes. And then third, shooting the basketball, which is probably... The one thing UCLA needed, I know Barricade, it might play a little bit of a factor into this. Andrews potentially could. I'm not fully confident he'll be making a few three-point shots, if not taking more than one to two a game. So we got a true look at to what UCLA could do, who's going to be taking threes, deeper shots from the perimeter, and what they look like. Yes, again, they're playing a Cal State Dominguez Hills team. Still, UCLA shot nearly 60% as a team. More importantly... From three, they went six of 16. Only two of six from three in the second half, four of 10 in the first half. And what I like to see from three, Lazar Stefanovic, three for three. He hadn't been shooting it that well in the Spain games. I know we don't get a full box score from what happened in Santa Clara, but the Bruins were only scoring 53 points. And they had a similar style team out there. Obviously, the Bruins weren't shooting it well. Nice to see Stefanovic go six for seven, seven boards, 19 points, second on the team in scoring. And just stroked three-point shot. And there's been talk about him being that three-point marksman. But he's got to be able to do that this season for UCLA. To be a good team, he's got to hit those three threes in rhythm. Three of four, two of four, one of three, right? Have a good average and a good percentage from downtown, and UCLA can be fine. Elon Fiblet did stroke a triple. He got a double-double to the Frenchman, the French native, in 27 minutes, basically, as a starter. And yet, he went 104 from downtown. Nice to see him score the basketball, more of a scoring ability. In Spain, he struggled turning over the basketball. Only one turnover in this game. Important improvement, and we wonder what the difference was. Game speed to him after getting those maybe early UCLA jitters out and then playing in Pauley Pavilion. Nice to see him make some moves, athletic, everything, and hit a three-point shot. And then maybe the big name of them all in terms of impressive play in this one. You had Sebastian Mack, 32 minutes, more like a little over 31 and a half, close to it as a starting point guard. Cronin wants to limit guys' roles, right? Doesn't want to make someone do too much in Mack, who's going to be asked to shoot the basketball, score, 
had 23 points on 14 shots, 9 of 14, 7 assists, did have 4 turnovers, a plus 30 on the court. That's something McCrone's going to have to absolutely live with. And whatever it's going to be, he needs to be a very good player for UCLA to succeed this year. Nice to see him from the summer into this game shoot it efficiently, distribute the basketball with the seven assists, and the four turnovers. Cronin, as much as he hates those, as much as he hates turnovers and loves defense, talked about the deflection numbers being very high. He might have to live with a four-turnover night from Sebastian Mack for a UCLA team that turned it over 14 times. In a regular game, that's not going to cut it, a team turning it over 14 times. Yet the Bruins found a way to dominate, score, harass shots, be plus 11 in the rebounding category with 11 offensive rebounds and able to do just enough from three and get very solid shooting percentages from inside the arc. And they hit their free throws. A 78% team, 78% from the charity stripe, 25 of 32. Kenneth Nuba, 7 for 7? What is that? That's big time, right? That is big time. So I did like they shot the ball decently enough. Now, is that going to translate to a regular game? Will McClendon went 0 for 3 as a starter from downtown. Some struggles we've seen in years previous where he had had an open shot or two and didn't make his shots. We want him to improve and make a vast improvement and jump after recovering from the the injury and then playing this year. Didn't showcase that, at least in an exhibition game. Has a whole year to grow. Jan Vide, who played a lot of minutes, about 23 minutes, 12 points, three assists, a nice little floater. Wasn't fully a three-point shooter, but three of five from the floor, six of nine from the free throw line. Vide absolutely competing for that backup point guard spot. And I liked what I saw from him with the way he moved the ball, some pinpoint passing, and the ability to create his own shot when needed in limited moments. 12 points on five shots in a somewhat backup point guard role. That's a very good night for Jan Vide. Now, he's not going to always be shooting 10-plus free throws coming off the bench. Yet, I did like what I saw from him. Brandon Williams, two points in nearly 20 minutes. A quiet night for him despite him being moved around. Devin Williams, 13 points, five boards. Probably getting more minutes than he'll see, at least in the early part of the season, depending on if Mara and Bereke are ineligible. Now, if they're not, we will see a lot of Devin Williams in the beginning of the season and I'd be excited to see how this youngster gets to play this year for UCLA. He's probably foaming at the mouth at the opportunity to potentially play right away for someone who needs to develop, put some muscle on to play more big-time college basketball, as Mick Cronin said, and still might have that early opportunity to see what it's like against these top-tier competition, top-tier centers, power forwards in the country, being, what, 6'10", 6'11", four-star guard, excuse me, four-star power forward center. And if... Those two big guys from overseas aren't ready to play, and if Bona's still being held out, we will see a lot of Devin Williams. Uh, plus 25, he was on the court in 18 minutes of play. Defensively, you know, Cal State Dominguez sells 28% from the field, 19% from the floor, turned it over 14 times. The Bruins out-rebounded them. They did allow two guys to score 10 points. You had... DJ Guest and Jeremy Dent Smith. He even had a ball brother on the court back in Poly Pavilion. Andre, not ball brother, but one of the ball family, a cousin, Andre Ball there. So you got to see a little bit of a mini full circle moment there. Yet here was Cal State Dominguez Hills, the Bruins throttling them despite missing four starters and key guys. Performance wise, we'll give it a B because you can always be better. We'll find how UCLA plays November 6th 
We're getting excited on this for Locked On UCLA. Now, coming up next, what does the rankings mean for UCLA football? College football playoff rankings came out. And how much will mistakes play a role in this game for UCLA against Arizona? That will make a huge difference if the Bruins can get a big road win in Tucson, their final trip there as conference foes, or will they be disappointed for the second year in a row against the Wildcats? Just as we're waiting to see if the Bruins can go play their games, you can play games, daily fantasy sports with prize picks because it is you just against the numbers, more or less on two to six stat player projections, and you can watch the winnings roll in when you when you get it correct. All you got to do now that basketball season's here, right? Now that we got all these cross sports coming together, a sports fan's dream, you can use combo projections. You can use the specials league with basketball season here at Price Picks and combine player projections like using LeBron James and Travis Kelsey when it comes to three-pointers made and receptions. I don't know about a T-Swift little little thingy there, but if you're going to go with catches, receptions, three-pointers made, you can go with LeBron James and Travis Kelsey. Now that is dope, and that's special, hence the specials league. And you can play against some big-time favorite players of prize picks, right? Rapper Meek Mill. You've got comedian Andrew Schultz. With the community plays under the promos tab of the app, all you got to do is go log on, even if... LeBron James exits after the first half of a basketball game. There's injury insurance, a reboot policy with prize picks. And it's the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance platform policy. All you got to do is go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, second segment of Locked On UCLA podcast. UCLA, I know maybe a day or two late because we're cruising on here, enjoying Halloween. It's been the college football playoff rankings released at the end of October into early November, and UCLA is actually higher than some teams might have been ranked in the AP polls or whatever because the Bruins are number 19. They're near the bottom of the list or maybe the middle of the pack when it comes to a stretch of teams in the college football playoff rankings, the CFP rankings, which we now officially use apparently. And it goes from a two loss team like LSU all the way down to UCLA who's smack dab behind Oregon state, Utah and ahead of USC. And if there's ever an order, anytime you're ahead of USC, bingo, bingo, bongo. And this is how the rankings go for the committee. Five unbeatens, unfortunately, as per usual, Pac-12 team like Washington is outside the top four. Then you've got a list of one-loss teams. Interestingly, you've got Oregon atop the one-loss teams ahead of Texas, who's ahead of Alabama. That's Pac-12 love for there. All the one-loss teams heading down to the two-loss teams that start with LSU, Notre Dame, Oregon State, Tennessee, Utah, then SC, Utah, UCLA, and then SC behind UCLA and Kansas, OK State, and everything in between. So the Bruins are a top 19 team heading into this game against Arizona who still didn't get much love because they've got three losses. If they had beaten anyone from a Washington, Mississippi State, or USC on the road, they would be in the top 25 for this game against UCLA. And very much with a win against the Bruins, probably will be a three-loss team in the top 25 in the next week with what they've been doing over the recent games against Wazoo, Oregon State, destroying one beaten the other, two things the Bruins did not do, as UCLA wants to crop these rankings, get some love, 
and maybe have an outside chance in a New Year's Six Bowl with a late season surge at the end of the 2023 season. What's it going to take for UCLA to beat the Wildcats? It's going to take near-perfect play for the Bruins to come out with a win in Tucson because all-time Arizona has a slim margin in the all-time head-to-head series when playing in Tucson, Arizona. And it's the Wildcats under Jed Fish. They play a lot of clean football. When they played Oregon State, they just beat them 27-24. Zero penalties in the first half of a game. They had the fewest penalties in a game, four, since they had only three penalties against UCLA in 2022 when they played at the Rose Bowl. Remember that nasty, terrible game? Yeah, I think we forgot about it. No, apparently that happened. That was not a nightmare, a Halloween distant memory that happened. It's because they play clean football. Remember Jed Fish, former UCLA coach, hops across to Arizona, got his team much better. They've beaten three ranked teams now after going multiple seasons without even beating ranked teams. The improvement has been pretty remarkable for a team that lost their almost supposed guaranteed starting quarterback, Delora, who transferred from Wazoo, came in, was pretty good with Arizona last year, wanted to make that next step. And it's all of a sudden been Noah Fafita, a youngster, in his redshirt freshman campaign from Survey to SoCal kid in high school ball, it's been good at limiting mistakes. That is what this Arizona team's done. They play clean football. They don't hurt themselves. They don't basically run out of plays by a holding call. 20 penalty yards. They had 20 penalty yards against Oregon State. That's the definition definition of playing a good, solid home game against a good football team and beating them. And now it's homecoming, so you're going to get a crazy crowd in this game. And I don't really like going to Arizona because too many wacky, random things tend to happen against the Cats. So most importantly, can the Bruins limit mistakes? It was very sloppy all the way around against Colorado. Utterly terrible for UCLA. We can go, who's going to play quarterback? No, 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 no. Everything from yards to special teams to offense just literally just dropping the ball having it popped out throwing picks didn't matter who played everything was an extremely sloppy time for UCLA when they're going to play a team that if you make those mistakes might be the difference in this game that's the difference because the line we're going to talk about the line coming up it's very slim it's basically a point point and a half three points depending what you're looking at how it's changed throughout the week UCLA is barely favored in this game and I'm surprised that they are uh, y'all might be surprised come the Friday episode who I might choose to win this game. I believe the Bruins can win this game. Absolutely. But will they? Should they be favored in this game? A team that plays very clean football with a quarterback that's been limiting his turnovers. What, 11 touchdowns, three picks, something ridiculous, right? Doing very good things, carving up a wazoo defense with over 340 yards on the road when they just absolutely blasted the Cougars. In Pullman, that just doesn't happen as a freshman quarterback. Yes, second year in the program with Noah Fafita. In addition to a quarterback that's been limiting mistakes, somehow stepping up in the midst of taking over for Jaden Delore with his injury. Now, with him coming back and being healthy, Fafita, we're just going to assume he's going to be the starter for the rest of the season, barring a bad performance. Yes, I I know the UCLA defense is for real. But Fafita is playing more like Shudir Sanders, limiting turnovers. I know he's thrown a pick in three of those last four starts, but overall he's been really, really good completing a high percentage of his throws. And then you add to the fact that 
Arizona, seven pass breakups against Oregon State. That was the most they'd done that in almost four years. Now, if they bring that vicious intensity to breaking up passes against UCLA, throwing the football, that means they're probably on the verge of getting a pick. On the verge. Now, it's not like Colorado, who's got a pick, and they thrive off the big play defensively and offensively. But seven pass breakups against Oregon State. The Bruins couldn't do that against the Beavers. They were close on certain times. They just whiffed on some plays in Corvallis. Yet here we are hoping that, hey, avoid the mistake. Don't cost, don't have costly penalties. That's a no-go. A quarterback that doesn't turn over the football. I mean, he does a little bit, but not exceedingly so. Like Delore had five picks in his first two games in 2023 before going down. And then you've got a UCLA offense that just turned it over four times. This is either a recipe for disaster or a one-week fix saying you could have steal just with two fluky fumbles not have Schley throw the football, and Garber's not throwing towards Travis Hunter, who made two incredible plays against both quarterbacks. That's the difference in UCLA competing versus winning this game on the road because they need to win this game. They've got to earn it against a team that's not going to give it to them because they competed with Washington, who has struggled with other teams since beating Oregon, but they competed with Washington with a quarterback who hadn't really played before. And then they've competed and should have probably beaten SC on the road. And they did beat Washington State. They did beat Oregon State in fashions that UCLA did not do. They couldn't complete a dominant victory over Washington State because they made the mistake. They couldn't beat Oregon State because they made the mistake. They struggled for the first 30-plus minutes against Colorado because they kept making mistakes. You do that against Arizona, this is going to be 52-30. to Maybe not even that. That's maybe a ridiculous scoreline, yes. But you get my point, 35-14, right? That, that's a game score that could be legitimate. I don't think that's the game. That's not going to be what happens. But for UCLA to live up its, to its top 20 ranking, you can't commit 30-plus penalties. I, I'm getting exaggerating right now. I'm very exa- in exaggeration mood right now. Still, that's what happens. Clean football, UCLA can absolutely compete and win this game. Any sort of mistakes – Beyond just the normal mistakes the Bruins have had this season and limited capacity for penalties, the turnovers have been big problems in the the UCLA losses. You do that against Arizona, you're going to lose this game. It can be a similar recipe, tough team on the road, you make a mistake, game's over. They'll compete, it'll be fun to watch it for 60 minutes, but to win the game, you've got to avoid it and force Arizona to doing something uncharacteristic. Now, will they do it? The defense probably has the ability to make that happen. Now, the offense and all the penalties, that is something that will tell the story of this game. And if UCLA is going to come crashing out of the top 25, UCLA women's basketball getting another five-star. Corey Close is just loading up her roster for Big Ten play. This is a team that's ready to compete now, next year, and the year after that with this class that she got 22 in 23 in the transfer portal, and then heading into 24. She's got some big-time recruits coming in. Let's talk about who that is and who else is joining her. You can score early this season during the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when you win any $5 money line bet. Again, that's $150 if your team wins. Hey, I'm sitting here. It's pretty close if you're looking at the UCLA line. Maybe you're not so crazy, but if you look at the NFL, I'm a big Raider fan, right? I'm winning because McDaniels just got axed. When they're playing the Giants, 
I would hammer that bad boy just from sheer enthusiasm. You know, right? If you're looking at lines, go do it. Go put that $5 down. You win it on a surefire money line bet. You can go get 150, 150 bucks in bonus bets. Go win if you're a new customer because all you have to do, because if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Final segment of the Locked On UCLA podcast. Zach with you guys wrapping things up. Energetic, taking the, the first of November off. We're going to be getting that hour of sleep back. Everything's going crazy. It's getting a little cool in Southern California sooner rather than later, at least in the evenings and the mornings. The daytime's just been absolutely warm. And here we go. Speaking of warm up, Corey Close has been doing big time things with her recruiting class on the women's basketball side. Remember, she just got Lauren Betts. She just got that the big-time recruits in 2022, the year before Betts, and then the number one recruit in that class came over in the portal with Lauren Betts. And then you've got Zania Sakanuman from Washington, D.C.'s Sidwell Friends, the 6'3", five-star product who just verbally committed at the end of October. But let's kind of look at what Big Z, quote-unquote, on her, on her Twitter says, hey, she was number 26 overall prospect, number seven forward in the 2024 class, according to the ESPN Hoop Girls rankings. And before she had, limit, had uh, limited her schools in the top four to Indiana, Michigan, and Tennessee, a five-star product for Big Z, and is the fourth player to commit in use for UCLA in 2024 because the Bruins will have to replace Osborne. They will have to replace Cam Brown. No extra years of eligibility for those two. And then you just wonder how the rest of the team will break break down in different things because it's the sixth fifth, it's the sixth five star recruit for UCLA over the last couple of seasons. You add that with Kiki Rice, Gabby Hawkes, you've got Lauren Betts who came through the portal, and then hey, who are the other five star recruits that UCLA's gotten? Avery Kane and Kendall Dudley with Alina Aronsalo. Those are your four teammates. Three of them are five stars. And then you got Aaron Salo as UCLA is getting an absolutely stacked 2024 class to replace a big-time player in Osborne, a big-time leader in Cameron Brown. Because if you go watch the UCLA women's basketball content, she's hilarious to watch her during practice chatter, as loud and energetic as anybody could be. And yet here we got with Saka Newman, who when I was reading different write-ups about her, especially when she visited Indiana, they had a write-up about her about how she's really good, multi-positional right now, somewhat of a tweener, athletic with a really solid good from the feel for the game, according to Mark Schindler, professional basketball reporter, and he does a lot of things on the women's basketball side of things. Athletic, good feel for defense, rim protection, and can move her feet pretty well, and would be dynamic because she could also have the ball in her hands as a big further out to the perimeter rather than just staying in the paint and living in the painted area. She can have the ball a little bit further out in the perimeter, which could be different for UCLA. A potential playmaker who could run off dribble handoffs and could be a big-time playmaker in the right system. This is all what Mark Schindler said about the likes of Zania Saka Newman. So someone who could who is very athletic, solid defensively, and is a big who can run with the basketball. Now that is a dynamic player I think UCLA absolutely got and you bring that with what UCLA could be losing. They got some size, some five-star talent, 
And the Bruins are going to be ready to compete in that first year in the Big Ten come 2024 to 2025, right? And maybe Caitlin Clark comes back and tries to set the world on fire one more year. But I'm thinking UCLA could easily be one of the top-tier teams in the Big Ten on women's basketball for right now and in the future. They could easily be a, a preseason favorite right now with what they have. You bring in the 2022 class. That will be a junior class, right? Hawkeyes, you got Kiki Rice, Betts, five stars all from that 22 class, three five-stars in the next class, and Corey Close is a team that's already expected to be in the top three, top four, top five, top eight, whatever – ranking you want to use they've got ucla all across the top 10 in this year and she's already getting verbals and commitments to solidify her team for years to come and be a dynamic force as the bruins change conferences and realignment phase and Corey close is going to benefit from changing conferences i believe to be a very good program now it's just trying to break down that door get to a final four get to a national championship and shock the world in what could be a very fun wide open year on the women's basketball front Let's go Bruins. Get excited. Big Z, you got Zania Sakonuman. Hopefully I got the name right. Uh, I'm going to learn her name sooner rather than later. A 2024 five-star the Bruins got and got her verbal commitment. That was at the end of October, but now it's time to get hyped that we're closer to basketball season. It's November, just around the corner. The men's and women's basketball teams are starting, and they both deserve the hype. Hands up, Bruins fans, because we're excited. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. U C L A. Fight, fight, fight. This has been locked on UCLA. Go Bruins. Zach signing off. Go Bruins. Let's rock and roll.